Well, God's good. Amen. God bless America. Praise God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to Ephesians chapter 6. I've been talking about the full armor of God, and we've talked about three of the pieces of the armor. But again, let me just reiterate that, you know, um, these pieces of the armor are specifically given to us uh, to cover or to address areas where the enemy attacks us. And that's really important to understand that. Because if you've ever been under spiritual attack, it's not fun. And, um, it's, and, and, it's, and it's actually a very real thing. You know, when I first, um, we first started, the first kind of like major attack, I mean, I had some minor attacks, but I mean, the first major attack that I can look back on is when we started this church. And um, what basically what it was, was tremendous criticism and um, was directed at me and us. And it wasn't just, you know, like in our area, but it was also, um, I had, I kind of had a, a ministry that I was a part of and they were criticizing me and some family members were criticizing me. And it was like, and that's how it feels sometimes. It feels like a flood. It feels like it just overwhelms you. And the criticism basically uh, really, really freaked me out. And uh, I was like, uh, going, really, really going through it. And um, I don't know if you've ever been criticized, not just, not just like one person criticizing you, but a lot of people criticizing you, a lot of people criticizing you. And, and there's a lot of uh, uh, just people letting you know that they disapprove of you strongly. I don't, don't want to ask if you ever had that happen, but, but it, was, uh, it was, and it was coming from so many different directions. And it just sort of overwhelmed, overwhelmed me, and I just, I just didn't handle it very well. And um, I learned that one of the pieces of the armor is girding your loins with truth. And, uh, you know, I, I, if you hear, ever heard me preach much, you've heard me tell the story where I, my, my mother-in-law, my in-laws were in Wilmer, and they had a mental institution there. And I know it sounds funny now, but I was serious. I said, God has got to speak to me and help me, or I'm checking into the mental institution. I mean, because it's like, I am not, I'm not handling this well at all. I mean, there's something going haywire. And I, my feelings were like way out of whack. And, uh, and so actually I was trying to spend time with my in-laws, but I was so in such turmoil inside. I just went into one of the bedrooms and I started praying. I said, God, you've got to help me. And I, of course, I had been praying. It's not like I hadn't been praying. And actually, God did speak to me, but it was kind of a, a kick in the pants uh, word that God gave me. He said, what are you, you know, he kind of said, what are you doing here? And I go, uh, well, I'm having trouble. You know, he said, get up. You know, it's kind of like that, you know, and, and just gave me a kick in the pants. And I wish I wish I could say that everything was great after that, but it wasn't. I still struggled with trying to trying to negotiate between this is what God called me to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what's right. This is what's truth and how I felt. Because how I felt, I, I, I really like feelings. I like it when my feelings are going in the right direction. But that's not always possible. And it doesn't always happen. And so sometimes it's like, you know, if you get, a, I mean, like, you know, you, uh, this is Memorial Day. So this is probably a bad time to use this example. But, um, you know, because Memorial Day is, you know, a time where we eat, right? And we eat certain things that we shouldn't eat. But, you know, like, let's say, so let's skip this weekend, but let's say another time of the year when you, you look over at the pie and you go, ooh, pie, you know, and, and I mean, you, you feel drawn to the pie, but you know you're supposed to say no, right? And it's not always that easy to say no. And I mean, that's a bad example, but I'm just saying that if you just let yourself go, if you just let yourself go, things, it's, it's going to be, it's not going to be pretty. You know, it's interesting that, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 12, and we might get to that verse, but uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it says, uh, it, says uh, this, it talks about the sin that so easily besets us. Now, that's not, that's not the same in everybody's case, but the enemy knows there's, if there's a sin that easily will beset you, and he knows how to use that against you. And until you, until you get, close the door on that, he, I remember I heard this story. You want to hear a funny story? I heard this story one time where this um, uh, this uh, deacon's son had a friend staying over, and 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 so this deacon was a, a holy man of God, and 
And the son says to his friend, hey, you want to hear my dad swear? And the son goes, the, the friend goes, oh, your dad would never swear. You want to hear him swear? He goes, your, your dad's a holy man of God. He would never swear. And so he goes, watch this. So they started making some noise. And so the dad came down there and said, you guys knock it off and go to sleep. So, so he leaves and then he, so he keeps on making noise. And so the dad comes down there and goes, you guys knock it off and go to sleep. I'm telling you, I'm warning you, this is the last time. So the third time the, guy, the deacon comes down there and says, you blanket, I blanket. And so as the dad's hitting the kid, the kid lifts the blanket and looks at his friend and says, see, I told you, you know. But there, there's always... There's always something that the enemy can use because he, he studies us and he knows the sin that easily besets us. The thing that will easily trip us up. And that's why God gives us armor so that we can, uh, so that we can address those areas of weakness that we have in our lives. Amen? Amen? So the first one was the loins girt about with truth. That's the whole feeling. The second one is the breastplate of righteousness. And this is not, this is not works of righteousness, but it's imputed righteousness or the gift of righteousness, righteousness by faith in Christ Jesus, where God accounts to us righteousness because we believe on Jesus. So that's the breastplate of righteousness. The third one is the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And this is our, our, our footing. Our footing has to be uh, in uh, the gospel of peace. In other words, that, that God has made peace with the human race. He made peace with you at the cross. The war between you and God are over. You know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, we hear, there's a song. It's a, a carol or a hymn, or not a hymn. It's a carol, Christmas carol, where it talks about peace on earth. And, this, and, the, and the songwriter lamented that there would never be peace on earth. I think he wrote it during World War II. And he said, there'll never be peace on earth. And he was talking about peace between people. But actually, when the angels announced peace on earth, they weren't announcing peace between people. They were announcing between peace between heaven and earth, that God was making peace because of what Jesus Christ would do. He established peace with the human race. The, the war is over, folks. The war between God and man is over with. And uh, so he established peace. And so that our feet, our, our feet need to be shod with that so that we have a firm foundation, a firm footing. God is on our side. God is for us. He's not against us. Isn't that good news? And Romans chapter 8 says that since God is for us, who can be against us? God's on our side. God's on our side. And so that is our feet being shod with the preparation of gospel peace. So the next piece of armor, I want to jump into this now. The next piece of armor is the shield of faith. The shield of faith. And it says, the way it's worded in the passage there in Ephesians 6, it says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, some translations say, in addition to this, or with all, or in every circumstance, or in every situation, at all times, take the shield of faith. But I like the, the, the term or the words, above all, because we see that faith is really a very important part of our lives, because the Bible tells us in Romans chapter one, it says, "For in it the righteous talking about the gospel in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith." So really, faith has to be is is the way that we enter the Christian life, but faith has to become a way of life. And if you don't understand faith, which a lot of Christians don't understand faith, then what happens is you're not going to live the Christian life very effectively. So when the Bible says above all, the King James Version said above all, taking the shield of faith. I think it's a very appropriate phrase, above all, taking the shield of faith, because we are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by grace through faith that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the Christian life is a life of faith and no one pleases God. Now think about this. No one pleases a God apart from faith. No one does. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so faith becomes something that it's not just an optional thing. It's, it's something that's very central. It's very important for us to understand. And so, 
But, you know, in some ways, faith is kind of a common word that we use very often. And we use it in different ways, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but sometimes it gets confusing. We talk about blind faith. I may have heard that expression, blind faith. And so we basically say, if you, if you have blind faith, you're nuts. You know, that's what we basically say. You're crazy if you have blind faith. We talk about faith-based organizations, or we talk about someone having come to faith, or we someone lost their faith. We encourage people to keep the faith, uh, or that they are a person of faith. But faith is more than a more than a formula. Faith is more than a tagline. It's more than that, because and sometimes when we hear the word faith, we talk we think about it in terms of a certain denomination, like Lutheran faith. Or, or Baptist faith, or Assembly of God faith, or whatever denomination. We think, it, we think it's a set of beliefs that this particular church believes, that the other church believes most of it, but there's a few things they believe differently. And so we say that there's a different, different kinds of faith. But there's really only one faith, and Jesus authored it. He started it. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4, it says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So there's only one faith, and Jesus authored it. In Hebrews 12, too, it says, looking away unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. Because the faith that we have is not our own faith. Somebody goes, well, I have, you know, I, I have my faith. We don't have our own faith. We have the faith of the Son of God who loved us, thank you, and gave himself for us. That's the faith that we have. Let me take a water break. We have the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Peter said that we, have, we, we share like precious faith. In other words, the faith that you have is the same faith that I have, if you're a Christian. We have the same faith. How many can see what I'm saying? So Jesus authored it. When you think about that, he authored it and he gives it to us in seed form, comes to us in seed form and it can grow and it can develop. And, you know, you think about faith, you know, the Bible says that with God, all things are possible. How many would agree with that? OK, you guys don't agree with that? With God, all things are possible. Let's try it one more time. How many agree with the phrase with God, all things are possible? OK, but, you know, it also says all things are possible to him that believeth. With God, all things are possible. Amen, brother. Glory be to God. Woo, glory be to God. All things are possible to him that believeth. I mean, it, it does say that in the Bible, right? And so that's why it's so important because that we understand it's not our faith. It's not like our faith. It's the faith Paul says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's his faith. He, he imparts his faith to our, to our hearts. And so we have the Son of God's faith. Amen. That's really good news, if you ask me. And so when I received Christ, I did not know the great doctrines of the faith. I didn't know the great doctrines of the faith. Even though I was raised in church, I didn't know the great doctrines of the faith but I had what I call functional faith. In other words, I had faith that allowed me to receive something from God, which was his grace and his salvation. I received that in a moment of time. I recognized that I was a sinner. I could not save myself. I recognized that I needed a savior. And I cried out in the darkness of my soul, but also in the darkness of that room. I cried out, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Please help me, forgive me, save me. Do something in my life. I cried out in the darkness and something happened in that moment of time. I received functional faith. Turn to your neighbor and say functional faith. Functional faith. The purpose of it, it gives us the ability to receive from God. Gives us the ability to receive from God. Functional faith. It's not like the great uh, doctrines of the church. It's functional faith. It's something that's living, breathing, beating in our hearts. It's, it's a part of our inner part of our being. We have this assurance. We have this confidence. We have this, I know for sure. I know that I know that I know. I heard an old preacher said, F.B. Myers, he said, if the whole world stood on one side and said, you're not a Christian, I'd stand on the other side and say, I am too. And that's, and that's what it is about, about this functional faith. 
It's this inward assurance that we have that is rock solid, that's immovable. And someone says, how do you know that you're a Christian? Because I have that conviction. I have that assurance. I have that strong assurance, steadfast assurance on the inside of me that if I die right now, that I'd, I'd, I'd step into heaven. And it's, that's what faith gives you. It gives you that assurance. That's functional faith. So functional faith, through it we receive, we receive salvation. We receive from God. That's one aspect of functional faith. Another thing about functional faith, you can tell when it's, your faith is functional, is because it gives you a different focus or a different perspective or a different outlook. Everybody say the word outlook. It gives you a different perspective. If you read through the, the heroes of faith in, in Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks about the different heroes of faith, it, when you get down to Moses, it says when Moses came of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. So in other words, what he's saying there is that Moses, even though he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and so he was, he was an heir to the throne, he was an heir to the riches of Egypt, and, and the Israelites were a bunch of slaves. They were living like in squalor in a dumpy little area of, 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 of Egypt there. But he said he looked the situation over and because he had faith, he said it's far greater and more valuable to identify with these slaves that are living in squalor than to, to identify with the treasures of Egypt and to identify. And so what happens is faith causes us to value the right things. We value heavenly things. We value. So like what will happen is when when you have faith in your heart, you'll see somebody worshiping and, you know, flipping out over Jesus. And most people go, well, that's that's extreme. But if you're a person in faith, that's valuable. Amen. That's valuable. It's like it's like when Mary, she came and she dumped that a year's uh, uh, salary of ointment on Jesus and everybody goes, why was this wasted? We could have sold this and given it to the poor. Why, was, why did we waste this precious ointment? And people of faith would say, no, no. They value the right things. They place value on the right things. Going to church. I value going to church. I value being a part of the saints. I value worship. I value hearing the word. Faith causes you to value the right things and to devalue the wrong things. Amen. I mean, it's like I won't go into that. But anyway, so so functional faith gives us the ability to have the right outlook, the right perspective to look at a situation. And if you're a person of faith, you see value. That's why people have functional faith. They're involved in giving. I'm waiting for the response. They're involved in giving. Why? Because they place value on the right thing. They place value on the gospel. They place value on the word of God going forth. They place value on the church. They pay value on the ministry going forth and being supported. Thank you for those two amens. I won't stay real long on this point, okay? But, but how many can see what I'm saying? It's, it's when you're a person of faith, you place value on the right things. You place value on family. You place value on Wife and kids, you place value. There's a, there's a sense of you placing value on the right things. So functional faith gives us the ability to put, put things in the proper perspective. The other thing about functional faith is that through functional faith and words, we create spiritual realities. Functional faith, we, through our words we create, with our faith and our words, we create spiritual realities. In Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you can see that we are creating a reality by our, our faith in our hearts and our confession with our mouth. We create a reality which is called salvation or righteousness. So faith, functional faith gives us the ability to create realities with the confession of our faith. With our words. Amen. And so the, and the last thing about functional faith is it gives us substance, gives substance to our hopes. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, 
Uh, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith gives substance to the things that we hope for. So, so functional faith does these things that I just mentioned. Dysfunctional faith never leaves the intellectual realm. It's true in theory, but never in action. It never produces any results. It's almost like a verbal, a verbal acknowledgement that I believe these certain things, but there's never ever a demonstration of power. It's all about what I know and what I talk about, but there's no receiving ability. Functional faith has, a receive, like I said, a receiving ability. Dysfunctional faith is not active, even though it might look and sound good. Now, let me make this clear that faith only comes one way. How many know how, how faith comes? Very good. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how many know that what you hear is very important? What you hear is very important. So if you sit, like, I, I quit last fall, I quit watching the news, so I don't watch news anymore at all. So I really don't know what's going on. And, and the reason I quit was because it was, it's just constant, it's this constant barrage of negativity and uh, 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 there's no hope and there's discouragement and just bombarded by it continually. I just couldn't take it anymore. I need to have my hope and my faith revitalized. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Preach the believer will. And some of us, we listen to the we listen to negative things constantly and we can't figure out why we don't have any faith. But our faith is affected by what we hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't say faith comes by having heard, but it has to be a continuous thing. Faith comes by hearing. It's present tense. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, it's interesting that faith is one of the only words that is defined in the Bible. It's a substance of things hoped for. In other words, you have hope for certain things, but it, faith comes along and gives substance to your hopes. Gives something rock solid to your hope. It's the evidence of things not seen. See, if you can see it or smell it or taste it or feel it, you don't need to believe it. When someone says, well, when I see it, I'll believe it. No, you don't need to believe it then. You don't need to believe then. Once you see it, you know it, right? Faith is essential when you, have not, when you don't have sense, knowledge, proof. That's when faith is essential. Seeing is not believing. Seeing is knowing. But believing is what creates seeing. So in other words, once you believe it, you're eventually going to see it. Now here's what's interesting. is As long as the devil can keep you in the sense realm or in feelings or in, in demanding physical proof, he's going to defeat you every time. Amen. He'll defeat you every single time. If he gets you to look, look at this, look, look. How do you feel? How do you feel right now? I don't feel very good. Huh? It tells you something. What does it tell me? It tells me nothing. Right? Because the scriptures are preeminent over everything. Someone says, well, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How do you know you're doing great? Because the Bible says he works all things together for good. Right? Amen. So the Bible says this. So how am I doing? I'm doing great because everything he's working it all together for my good. So I'm, point, I'm looking at Scripture. I'm, bringing script, I'm, raising the, I'm raising Scripture up to the level that it should be. That's what faith does. Faith raises Scripture up to the level where it should be, and everything else has to be second place. Now, that doesn't mean we deny reality, but it's just that we put it in its proper place. It doesn't take preeminence over Scripture. If I wake up one day and don't feel saved, guess what? Guess what? Someone goes, you're not saved then. No, I'm still saved. How do you know that? Because the Bible says he, I, he'll, no one is able to take me out of his hand. Amen. So no one's able to take me out of his hand. So what I'm doing is, even, even though I don't feel saved, I'm saved because Scripture says I'm saved. When Jesus was attacked by Satan, you know, it's called the temptation. So a temptation means that there's genuinely a pull in the wrong direction. And so he's feeling this pull in the wrong direction. But how does he respond? He says, it is written. He used scripture 
He addressed Satan. He used scripture. Because he really, you want to think about it, distraction is one of Satan's greatest weapons. Distraction. Look, see, feel. How, look at this. Look at that. How do you feel? What about this? What about that? It's one of Satan's greatest weapons against us. And so what happens here is that we have to use this shield of faith and we have to we quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You can tell when you're in a, when you're under a spiritual attack because it usually comes. And when a thought comes or a situation comes, when it comes, when it hits your life, when it hits you, it starts to burn. It like it stays a long time. That's a fiery dart. It hits you and it burns a long time. That's a fiery dart. Amen. And so you know that you're under attack. So here's here's the thing about faith. Let me let me get into the that was all just introduction right there. That that wasn't even that important. Now let me get to the important part. All that was just kind of blah 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 blah. So here's the here's the important thing about faith. Faith is more about outlook than outcome. Faith is more about outlook than outcome. See, we are tempted to focus on the outcome of faith. But the outcome of faith, that's God's part. That's not our part. That's God's part. Our part is to focus on the outlook. Outlook. Faith is more about outlook than it is about outcome. So it's like this. It's like gardening. I don't like gardening myself. My wife gardens, but I don't really like it that much. But I try to grow grass. And that's a challenge because no matter how many times, how many know this, if you ever try to deal with weeds, no matter how many times you, you spray them to try to kill them, they keep coming back. You know, I hate, or down our driveway, you walk, drive, not walk, but drive into our driveway. We have kind of a long driveway, but we have dandelions on both sides. You know how many times I've killed those dandelions? I've killed, I kill them every year, but every year they back. And what they do is when you're driving in, it's like they're waving at you. <laughs> It's like they're saying to me, you're just white trash. That's all you are. <laughs> that's a mess. That's, the, that's like they're saying that to me when I'm driving. And you're just white trash. That's all you are. Just white trash. And I'm driving. I'm looking at them. I'm going, I'm going to kill you. But how many know that weeds are very persistent? How many know that's true? You know, sometimes we use that term like we're growing grass or we're growing plants or we're growing a garden. But how many know that we are not growing? We're really not growing, growing those things. The ground is growing. But what we say is that we planted, I planted grass, I planted this, or I planted that. And then we're, we, we're saying that we weeded this, we weeded that, we weeded this, right? And that we watered this, we watered that. And that's really a picture of faith, is that I... I don't grow faith. What I, what I do is I create an environment that faith can grow in. Right? So, see, there's a verse here in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. It says, And he said unto them, The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by day and night, sleep by night, not day, night, and rise by day, and the seed should sprout, and grow, he himself does not know how. Right? He goes, what happened? Right? He, he's not growing it. All he did was plant it and create the right environment. And when he created the right environment, it, it grew. See, when you, all, what we're responsible for is we're responsible about hearing the right thing. I can only, I can only, I can only control certain things. I can only control my outlook. I can only control my outlook. I can only control what I receive, what I receive. Then when weeds come, because how many know that weeds come? Weeds are contrary things to what I'm receiving. So like if I'm, if I'm having trouble with feeling that I'm loved and accepted. I don't know if you guys ever felt troubled with that. Am I loved and accepted? Does God love me? Does God accept me? So I receive the word of God. I receive God's word on it. The same thing that God said, that the angel said to Mary, you are, you are loved, greatly loved and highly favored. 
Paul said those same things to the Christian in Ephesians chapter 1. So I tell people that all the time. Well, you're greatly loved and you're highly favored. Because that's what the scriptures say. Now, how many of you have not felt greatly loved and not highly favored? I mean, you just felt like you're a dark cloud. <laughs> you know, I'm, a, I'm a dark, I'm bad news, man. I'm bad news moving through the land. You know, that's how you feel sometimes. You feel that way sometimes, don't you? I'm just like, a, I'm, just, I'm just not all that. I'm just like two things missing out of the Happy Meal or something. I'm, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I, just, I just don't feel that great. I just don't. I don't even like myself. You look at yourself, you go, I don't even like you. There's not, I can't think of one positive thing about you. You know, that's how you feel sometimes. How many of that's true? But what you do with that, if you just let those thoughts remain, they become weeds. And they start choking the word that says you are greatly loved and highly favored. Start choking that out. And so what happens is your life starts producing. So... I don't control the outcome. What I, I'm promised a, an outcome. I'm promised an outcome, but that outcome is up to God. Right? The Bible says in Mark chapter 11, verse 20, 24, it says, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. But you shall have them. That's God's business. My business is believe that I receive them. So my business, my focus, this is really an important word. Focus is a really important word. My focus is my outlook. My focus is creating an environment that scriptures grow in. Creating an environment that scriptures grow in. See, I control, my, I control the environment in my heart. I control it. You know, what's interesting is sometimes, you know, like I, you know, you know, I felt like really crappy. Is that a bad word to say in church? Crappy. Really bad. And I don't know if you guys ever felt that way, but I felt terrible. And so, and sometimes I just stay t feeling terrible. I'll go eat something, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean? And, and, and wait a long time, you know, wait a long time before I finally address this situation. But I mean, there are times that I feel that I did the right thing, where I go, now wait a second. Now wait a second. I'm not going to let my mind be bombarded with these hopeless, fear-based, anxious, all this other types of thought. I'm not going to let my, my, my environment be bombarded with these things because if I do, I'm, I'm, I'm killing the very thing I'm trying to produce in my life. I've got to change my outlook. I'm promised an outcome, but my focus is my outlook. Does that make sense? My focus is my outlook. So in other words, I have to create. So here's what I do. I, I start out, usually I start out by praying the Spirit, walking back and forth, praying the Spirit. Then I start singing. I might sing a couple songs. In fact, I just, I recorded a few songs that I, I made up. I recorded them. It's amazing, they sounded so good when I was recording them, and then when I play them back, I'm going, oh, my God. That cannot be played in public. That is horrible. Don't, whatever you do, don't quit your day job, Steve. That, that is not you. That is not you. I, thought, I thought myself one time, I'm recording this great song, I'm just like crying. I'm singing this song, and then I played it back, and went, oh, I Never going to play that for anybody, a living soul. But in the moment, in the moment, I was just, be, I, was, I was touching God. And by the time I'm done, an hour or more has gone by and I am totally edified. Totally edified. These thoughts of fear and doubt have diminished. Because the, the thoughts of fear, doubt, Unbelief, discouragement, despair, all those thoughts are like weeds in my garden. And I can't control the outcome. God controls the outcome, but I sure as will control the outlook. See, I can't, you know, like, okay, when I plant something in my garden, you know, I want my carrots to be, you ever see some of these people's carrots? 
It's like, what is going on in your garden? It's like this thing is like, looks like a watermelon. And then my carrot's this big. I go, what happened here? Well, maybe they did, maybe they put poop. <laughs> Which I heard works real good, whatever. But anyways, we call it manure. But my point is, is what I, all, I can, all I can control is my environment. All I can say is I'm not having that in my, in my heart. I'm not allowing that outlook. I'm not allowing that outlook to be in my life. I'm not going to let that stay. How many can see what I'm saying? And so I'm promised an outcome. But see, what, I, what, what defeats us so often is that we focus on the outcome. And we think that, the, 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 that our focus should be on the outcome. Then we start doing this, why God, why? When God, when? How God, how? Stop! That's not your, that's not your focus. Your focus is outlook. Because what, what basically faith is, it's a decision to focus on certain things rather than other things. Now, it doesn't mean that we, den- we deny other things or say that they don't exist. We just choose to look at these things. That is a principle of faith. It's a very powerful principle of faith. Is what you, on the inside, what you focus on, what you choose to, to fix your gaze on, what you choose to focus on is huge in creating an environment where faith will grow. Amen? Because that's what it is to create a garden. Because you are a garden. Inside your heart's a garden. is to create a garden where good things will grow in. Is based on your outlook. You know, I remember... Um, well, there's many things I could say right here. But, but years ago, you know, I was having... I don't know why all my sermon illustrations like, yeah, years ago I was having another bad time, you know. <laughs> and I was having another bad time. And I was, you think my whole life's one bad time, but it really isn't. It's not really that bad. But, but you just kind of, those are moments you kind of remember, I guess, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, not that I don't remember good moments, but, I mean, they're, they're like, t- this is a teaching moment. Don't you hate that expression? I just want to go, <laughs> this is a teachable moment. But sometimes going through difficulty is a teachable moment. You can learn something through it if you, if you handle it right. But, um, you know, it's interesting. So I was, I was in this terrible situation. And because uh, I've been, you know, I have a, I have a lot of stories because I've been in this for almost 50 years. So you have a lot of stories. And so I was going through this difficult, real difficult situation. And, um, and so I spent some time praying, waiting on the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me and he told me this, which I shouldn't have told everybody this because if I go through difficulty again, they bring it up to me. They, they use it against me. But the Lord spoke to me and said, you're not getting out of this. This is what he said to me. You're not getting out of this situation or future situations unless you learn to walk by faith. And I thought, I thought I was walking by faith. You know, that's what you think. And then um, I, I said, well, how... How is it that I'm not walking by faith? And so the Lord gave me three verses very quickly. The first one is Hebrews chapter 12, which we already looked at. But look at it again. Hebrews 12, where it says, looking away. Actually, the Greek, if you look up the Greek, it says, the King James says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. But the Greek actually says, looking away unto Jesus. Looking away from what? From all the things that are contrary. All the things that are contrary. Look away from that. And looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Notice, he set something, Jesus set something before him. And because of it, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and it sat down at the right hand. So the outcome was what? The right hand of the Father. That was the outcome. But what did he do? Did he look at The outcome? No, he looked at the joy that was set before him. There's another place where it says, talking about Jesus, that he set the Lord always before his eyes. And so the Lord spoke to me. He said, 
you've got to stop looking at all the difficulties, all the impossibilities. You've got to stop looking at them. If you keep looking at them, what it creates is fear. It creates unbelief. It creates doubt inside you. You've got to stop looking at it. You've got to start, start looking away from that at the promise of God. And that's a tough thing to do because how many know that difficulty screams at you? You wake up in the morning, there it is. You're going, uh, can I get out of bed at least first? You know what I mean? Come on. Give me a break, you know. And so you have to look away from that and look toward the promise of God's word. Second Corinthians chapter four, it says, Paul says, while we... He talks about how that all the difficulty he was going through was working for him, an eternal weight of glory. Then he says this, that's only true, it's working for us, an eternal weight of glory, if we look at the things that are, look away from the things that are seen and look at the things that are not seen. The things that are seen are temporal, temporary. The things that are not seen are eternal. Paul says we look at eternal things. We focus on eternal things. So it's a matter of outlook. It's a matter of focus. That's why Proverbs 4 says, My son, attend to my word. What is his word? His word is eternal. That's the eternal thing that we're looking at. The situations that we face, they're temporal. They're temporary. If you keep looking at those things, the enemy will defeat you every single time. But if you start looking at eternal things, and every single one of us can do that, because God would never ask us to do something we couldn't do. It will take some rearranging. It's like this. I could be a good gardener. It would take some rearranging. First of all, give, somebody's got to give me the desire to be a gardener. Right? The only thing I have a desire to do is kill the dandelions that are up and down my driveway. That say to me every day, you're a loser. <laughs> the loser. <laughs> The loser is on his way home. <laughs> Welcome home, you know. I'm going to kill you guys. Right? Isn't that stupid? But anyway, so that's the way it goes. But, but we have to, we have to it, it's, a, it's an outlook. How many can see what I'm saying when I say that? It's outlook. In conclusion, did you guys get anything out of this? Just pretend like you did. It's just like, by faith, say you did. Come on. I was awesome. It was amazing. Then you leave, you go, what was he talking about? I don't even understand. I don't understand a word he was saying. But you know, one, one example, the other example the Lord gave me was, was in, in, Rome, uh, in John chapter 3 where, where it talks about, uh, you know, where it says that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth him would not perish. But, you know, it's so interesting about that. In the New Testament, it says, whosoever shall believe. But in the Old Testament, it said, whosoever shall looketh. In the Old Testament, it wasn't believe. It was whoever looks at the serpent on the pole would be delivered. In the New Testament, it's believing. So believing is looking. So we all should be lookers. What are, we, what are we looking on or what are we focused on? You know, as I close here, are you guys still with me? You guys look like you're ready to celebrate Memorial Day. I'm ready to eat some more food, hot dogs. Anyway, so in the Old Testament, the story of the children of Israel going into the promised land, well, the first generation that refused to go in, it's very clear picture of what I'm just teaching right here. It's a principle of faith. Because we, they have the promise of God where God said, I've already given you the land. I've already given it to you. The land is yours. I've given it to you. So they go and spy out it. And they, God said it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land with pomegranates and grapes and all these other things. It's an amazing land. That's what God said. And so they go in, they spy out the land. So that's what God said. That's what God said. But when they go to spy out the land, what they find is they find walled cities. They find giants there. And they come back and 10 out of the 12 
So that's why they say the majority's right. Usually they're wrong. The 10 out of the 12 said we can't. In fact, they said it is everything God said, but we can't because the people are stronger than us. Listen to some of the things they said. The people are stronger than us. How do they know they're stronger than them? They didn't fight any of them. Did they compare biceps? The people are stronger than us. And then they said this. The land, get this, the land devours its inhabitants. So what does that mean? That means I'm walking with somebody going, hey, how's it going? I said, whoa. Where did he go? <laughs> the land just devoured him. He just ate him up, you know. The cities are walled. And they gave up an evil report of the land. So there you have the two, the two scenarios. You have what God said, and you have what the ten spies said. And Caleb and Joshua said, we must go up at once and possess it. God is, we're well able. Here's another thing they said. We said, they said, we are grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we are in their sight. How do they know what they are in their sight? How do they know what's in their head? In fact, when you, when you go to the book of Joshua, you look at Rahab. Rahab said, the fear of you has been on us for decades. So the truth was, they were terrorized. The inhabitants of the land were in terror because of the children of Israel. But the children of Israel said, we grasshoppers. The land devours its inhabitants. And their people are stronger than us. How many can see that their perspective was a perspective of unbelief? It was based on focus, what they focused on. And it kept them from doing the right thing. And so the shield of faith, basically what faith is, is first of all, if you're a Christian, faith is a decision that you make to look, to have an outlook that's based on Scripture and not based on fear, terror, anxiety, worry, not based on those things. Not, not that we deny that those things exist, but we just choose to look at this. I choose to look at this. I choose, because it says about Abraham in Romans 4, it says that he, as he looked to the promises of God, he grew strong in faith. And so if we look at God's promises, we'll grow strong in faith. Let's all stand together. So I wish that was more inspiring, but, but it's just kind of meaty type stuff. But it, it's, it really is, in a sense, where all of us are at. In our, in our faith struggle is to be able to look at the right thing. And you always can tell where people, what people are looking at when you talk to them. Because they start talking about all the impossibilities, all the terrible situations, all how this isn't working, how that isn't working, how the government's going to hell in a handbag. I mean, it's really, I mean, think about it for a second. We should really stop cursing our own nation. I mean, we pray for our nation. We should pray for our nation, but we should bless our nation. I mean, I'm as frustrated as anybody with what some of the things that are going on, but that's really not the solution, is it? And even with your kids, I mean, stuff, you know, you, you have to be careful. You don't curse your kids or curse your mate or curse situations if you're believing for some kind of a change because your words have power. Amen. And so it starts with, everybody say outlook one more time. Outlook. Just look at your neighbor and say, it's outlook. I can't control outcome. I'm promised an outcome. I'm promised an outcome. I can't control it, though. That's up to God. What I can control is my outlook. I, I can't tell you how big, did we plant carrots this year? We planted carrots. I didn't, but she did. She planted carrots this year. I cannot tell you how big them carrots are going to be. I can't tell you. They're just going to be little dinky things about that big. Or if they're going to be big old monsters like cucumbers. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. I don't know the outcome. 
But I'll tell you one thing. If I create an environment, if I take manure, water, sunshine, I put those things, create an environment, I'll guarantee you something's going to happen. Right? And that's true with our lives. Don't you... I mean, I want to be a person so full of faith where I'm just, I look at situations and go, man, God could do that, no sweat. That ain't even hard for God. I want to have that kind of, instead of having like, yeah, well, it usually doesn't work out. Do you ever feel that way? Somebody has a prayer request, you go, yeah, well, the last five people we prayed with that, they, it didn't work out. But you have to be careful about what you allow to be in your garden. You know, it says about children of Israel, one of the things that God said is that they, they forgot his testimonies. You know, when you look at this, I could keep going. I'm trying to stop. Uh, you know, you look at the children of Israel when, that didn't go into the promised land. Just stop and think about some of the things that they saw. They saw a Red Sea open up. I've never seen a Red Sea open up. Have you ever seen a Red Sea open up? I've never. I mean, I've seen some miracles. Don't misunderstand me. But I've never seen a Red Sea open up. They are fed every single day except for Sunday or Saturday. Supernaturally from manna from heaven. I've never been fed. If you want to bring some groceries over to my house, that'd be great. But I've never been fed supernaturally with food just falling out of the sky. I mean, just think about some of the things they saw and still they didn't believe. And so God's like, mm. but what they did was they forgot. And sometimes it's so easy to forget the miracles that God did, the things that God has done. And when you forget those things, what happens is you lose sight of your faith. Your faith diminishes. Well, let's sing this song together.
we ought to give God a good clan clap over there. Hallelujah. Thank you for your promises, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, we want to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. We have some prayer counselors that are going to come up and uh, they're going to be ready to pray for you. If you need prayer for physical healing, uh, have a spiritual need, whatever, uh, we just want to encourage you to come and be prayed for. God has an answer for you. Amen. God has an answer for you. And so just feel free to come, be prayed for. Well, it's, it's a glorious time to celebrate. Remember, you know, this is Memorial Day. We remember the people that gave so much for us. So let's be really appreciative. Amen. Have a great attitude. And uh, so I hope you have a great Memorial Day celebration and that you don't eat too much and that you keep it between the white lines or whatever. But we've, it's been great being together today and trust that the word of God has affected your life and it'll continue to do so. But just be a good garden that God can grow his fruit in. Amen? God bless you, everybody. You're free to go. Take off. <laughs>